welcome to the Talk Show for Talkers on irishtalkers.com. Welcome back, Toastmasters, to episode two of this week's Talk Show for Talkers here on irishtalkers.com. I have something here for you which is of the moment. You may have caught on the news that President Zelensky of Ukraine gave an address to the UK Parliament. And during this address, he quoted from Winston Churchill. Well, he didn't quote, but he used the technique used by Winston Churchill in his speech. Uh, we, uh, what's the name? If we will never surrender that speech, you know, we'll fight them on the beaches, etc. And I thought it would be interesting because I've never listened to the whole of Churchill's speech. So I thought it'd be interesting actually to play the whole of Winston Churchill's speech. Now, the recordings that I have available actually miss the first four paragraphs of the speech, but that's not to worry. The first four paragraphs just give the background to what happened, how Dunkirk and the evacuation of Dunkirk came about. So let's listen to Winston Churchill speaking to Parliament on the 4th of June, 1940. When a week ago today, Mr. Speaker, I asked the House to fix this afternoon as the occasion for a statement, I feared it would be my hard lot to announce the greatest military disaster in our long history. I thought, and some good judges agreed with me, that perhaps 20 or 30,000 men might be re-embarked. But it certainly seemed that the whole of the French First Army and the whole of the British Expeditionary Force north of the Amiens-Abbeville Gap would be broken up in the open field or else would have to capitulate for lack of food and ammunition. These were the hard and heavy tidings for which I called upon the House and the nation to prepare themselves a week ago. The whole root and core and brain of the British Army on which and around which we were to build and are to build the great British armies in the later years of the war seemed about to perish upon the field or be led into an ignominious and starving captivity. The enemy attacked us on all sides with great strength and fierceness. And their main power, the power of their far more numerous air force, was thrown into the battle or else concentrated upon Dunkirk and the beaches. Pressing in upon the narrow exit, both from the east and from the west, the enemy began to fire with cannon upon the beaches by which alone the shipping could approach or depart. They sowed magnetic mines in the channels and seas. They sent repeated waves of hostile aircraft, sometimes more than a hundred strong in one formation, to cast their bombs upon the single pier that remained, and upon the sand dunes, on which the troops had their only shelter. Their U-boats, one of which were sunk, and their motor launches took the toll of the vast traffic which now began. For four or five days an intense struggle reigned. All their armored divisions, 
or what was left of them, together with great masses of infantry and artillery, hurled themselves in vain upon the ever-narrowing, ever-contracting appendix within which the British and French armies fought. Meanwhile, the Royal Navy, with the willing help of countless merchant seamen, strained every nerve to embark the British and Allied troops. 220 light warships and 650 other vessels were engaged. They had to operate upon the difficult coast, and often in adverse weather, under an almost ceaseless hail of bombs and an increasing concentration of artillery fire. Nor were the seas, as I have said, themselves free from mines and torpedoes. It was in conditions such as these that our men carried on with little or no rest for days and nights on end, making trip after trip across the dangerous waters, bringing with them always men whom they had rescued. The numbers they have brought back are the measure of their devotion and their courage. The hospital ships which brought off many thousands of British and French wounded, being so plainly marked, were a special target for Nazi bombs, but the men and women on board them never faltered in their duty. Meanwhile, the Royal Air Force, which had already been intervening in the battle, so far as its range would allow, you know, from our home bases, now used part of its main metropolitan fighter strength and struck at the German bombers and at the fighters which in large numbers protected them. This struggle was protracted and fierce. Suddenly the scene is cleared. The crash and thunder and for the moment, but only for the moment, died away. A miracle of deliverance achieved by valor, by perseverance, by perfect discipline, by faultless service, by resource, by skill, by unconquerable fidelity, is manifest to us all. The enemy was hurled back by the retreating British troops. They were so roughly handled that he did not carry their departure seriously. Sir, we must be very careful not to assign to this deliverance the attributes of a victory. Wars are not won by evacuations. But there was a victory inside this deliverance, which should be noted. It was gained by the Air Force. Many of our soldiers coming back have not seen the Air Force at work. They saw only the bombers, which escaped its protective attack. They underrated its achievements. I've heard much talk of this. And that is why I go out of my way to say this. I will tell you about it. This was a great trial of strength between the British and German air forces. Can you conceive a greater objective for the Germans in the air than to make evacuation from these beaches impossible? And to sink all these ships which were displayed almost to the extent of thousands could there have been an objective of greater military importance and significance 
for the whole purpose of the wars of this. They tried hard, and they were beaten back. They were frustrated in their task. We got the army away, and they have paid fourfold for any losses which they have inflicted. Sir, when we consider how much greater would be our advantage in defending the air above this island against an overseas attack, I must say that I find in these facts a sure basis upon which practical and reassuring thoughts may rest. I will pay my tribute to these young airmen. The great French army was very largely, for the time being, cast back and disturbed for the onrush of a few thousands of armored vehicles. May it not also be that the cause of civilization itself will be defended by the skill and devotion of a few thousand airmen. There never has been, I suppose, in all the world, in all the history of war, such an opportunity for use. The Knights of the Round Table, the Crusaders, all fall back into the past, not only distant, but prosaic. These young men going forth every morn to guard their native land and all that we stand for, holding in their hands these instruments of colossal and shattering power, of whom it may be said that every morn brought forth a noble chance and every chance brought forth a noble night, deserve our gratitude and yes, to all the brave men in so many ways and on so many occasions, are ready and continue ready to give life and all to their native land. Nevertheless, our thankfulness at the escape of our army and so many men whose loved ones have passed through an agonizing week must not blind us to the fact that what happened in France and Belgium it's a colossal military disaster. The French army has been weakened. The Belgian army has been lost. A large part of those fortified lines upon which so much faith had been reposed is gone. Many valuable mining districts and factories have passed into the enemy's possession. The whole of the channel ports are in his hands. With all the tragic consequences that follow from that, and we must expect another blow to be struck almost immediately at us or at France. We are told, sir, that Herr Hitler has a plan for invading the British Isles. This has often been thought of before. When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year with his flat bottom boats and his grand army, he was told by someone there are bitter weeds in England. There are certainly a great many more of them since the British Expeditionary Force returned. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years. 
if necessary, alone. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of His Majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation. The British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. Listeners, if you managed to get through to the end of that speech, and I hope you did, then I would love to hear your comments on what you thought of that speech. For me, that's the second time I've heard it playing it here. And it's the first time that I really actively listened and it made me even more impressed. My one comment was that uh, you could tell that he was reading the speech, obviously, and some places it came over as reading, but otherwise I thought it was an amazing speech. Anyway, do join us again tomorrow when Paul is going to be turning his attention this week to hobbies. Do you have a hobby? See you tomorrow. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website irishtalkers.com for more information.